Welcome back, Cal listeners. This is Methodical Millions, episode 40. Thanks everyone for tuning in today. So Cal, there's some big news a couple of weeks ago. We had two major IPOs, DoorDash, Airbnb. You got to know these companies. I'm sure most of our listeners do. What do you think of that, of these companies going public? Just to give a heads up for those who are not following much, IPOs have been hot this year and especially these past couple of months. And DoorDash first IPO'd and then Airbnb IPO'd the day after, I believe. And they were highly anticipated. The idea about them is they had an expected valuation that actually kept going up closer to the IPO date. And the moment the IPO, the price went a lot higher than the expected valuation. So there's huge anticipation, a lot of interest. It really pushed the price quite a lot higher. And it's very exciting stuff. It does raise a lot of questions. Personally, I think the fact that the IPO is significantly higher makes me wonder if it's just the hype of it. I do believe that they do have tremendous value and I love their ideas and their concept, the way they operate. But the fact that the IPO is a lot higher, I just think that maybe at this point in time could be mostly hype. And once it cools down, perhaps it'll settle at a certain price point. Yeah, we mentioned that before when we covered IPOs. I think what I learned since that episode was that there's an IPO scheduled price for larger funds, institutional investors. And then by the time it hits regular retail investors through the brokerages, I think DoorDash, I'm looking up 930 launch price was 154. But everywhere else on Google, it was supposed to be at 102. So a 50% difference is quick gains for the people holding early. But I don't think we even had access. So I'm not sure if it was even a hype thing, but just a matter of what your place in line is that way. And I think there's a lot of controversy, even from rich VCs, about what that looks like. And here's why. So if you actually own DoorDash stock pre-IPO, typically you're getting diluted or selling off shares to the IPO. And in order to do that, you have a spot price. And that price, if it doubles in two hours, you could have gone from a 20, 50, $100 million exit to double in terms of what shares you're selling. So I know there's some controversy that way. And I just want to bring that up because I don't think that's solved. It's probably a broken system. And to be fair, I don't know personally where the price is going to settle. I think I'm more of a long-term guy. I don't like to predict. To me, predicting short-term is like predicting the weather. Even the best are wrong most of the time. And people always tend to use hindsight into rationalizing why a price is the price. And I personally don't like that. I don't think it develops your intuition that well to make good calls long-term. And I prefer the, let's see what company's going to do well and place your bets that way. That's how I like to do it. So there is a cool document I want everyone to Google. I'm going to also put it in the show notes. If you want to look up our website, Methodical Millions, it's going to be there under the 40th episode. So we're going to post some links to what's called an S1. And this is essentially a filing through the SEC. So if you're going to start to do some homework on a company, I would absolutely recommend reading through this document. I'm not going to cover it in detail. I just want to bring awareness to it. So if I pull it up, I'm going to pull up DoorDash here. What's cool is this is a very good diligence document. So this is what the SEC looks at for a company to go public. It's got to be 300 pages. It's fantastic. 
I see charts, I see mission statements, I see technicals, the business model. This is actually the first time I've ever looked at one. I've typically invested not at IPO, I've invested maybe a year later or two in Tesla and typically the companies I invest in are always after IPO. So I find this actually really cool. Some highlights here. So DoorDash, they've got 18 million consumers, 390,000 merchants and 1 million dashers. And I suppose dashers are the drivers. Here's a cool stat. So number one US category share. So there's an asterisk. I wonder what that means. But I always wondered, is Uber Eats more dominant or DoorDash or is it market dependent? And for us Canadians, skip the dishes, right? I remember I used skip the dishes so much in the first three months that they actually sent me a gift card with a handwritten thank you card. It was hilarious. I'm definitely a user of this kind of service. I'm a fan. Personally, I'll give you an example. So skip the dishes. I prefer they have pictures. They have a little bit more insight. Their app was smoother. And it's a bit of a shame because they changed their logo orange like DoorDash. I think that's a bad move on like that. But they're actually from Winnipeg. So who knew you could actually start a company there? Keep that in mind for everyone listening. No matter where you are in this world, like if you're in New York City complaining you're not in SF and you can't start a company, there's people in Winnipeg doing it. So no more excuses. So DoorDash, it's funny as a user, I wasn't a fan because I thought their app was a bit slow. It didn't have things that were clear and concise. And I was jokingly for a couple of years now, pre-Uber Eats, saying I was going to launch a competing service called Food Taxi. And the idea behind Food Taxi was I wanted to schedule delivery. So if I'm like a user that uses it all the time, I wanted to always have my food show up every day without even thinking about it. To me, that was a cool feature. And I wanted to do this for a monthly premium. So Think of all those subscription models we talked about. I wanted to do that. And Uber Eats and DoorDash both have their own subscription service. So good for them. I feel like it was inevitable. I'm not saying that's a unique idea, but as a user, I'm a huge fan of that. So what is DoorDash's deal? If I look at this S1, I'm going to open it up here. The mission statement of DoorDash is to grow and empower local economies. In 2013, that's when this company started. What's that, seven years now? Almost eight to the nose. And their goal is to let brick and mortar thrive, connect people to delivery where they may have not otherwise walked in. And this is where I really like tech companies that permeate into regular businesses. So I love apps, but for years, apps were just that thing on your phone. But now there's a blend between technology and business. And I remember a couple of years ago, maybe even last year, there was a whisper around DoorDash's valuation at $4 billion, And now their market cap's at 52. That's ridiculous. So pre-post-IPO growth, there's actually a huge jump in valuation. And I don't think a lot of these hybrid tech companies slash subscription slash marketplace style apps are worth anything less than $10 billion. There can't be. So this is why we're bringing it up. We kind of want to wonder, hey, this is a big deal that these companies did IPO. Now you can invest in them. So You don't have to know someone special. You don't have to work at Google. You don't have to be rich. You can go open a brokerage. And if you like DoorDash, you can invest. So we're not saying pick that company, but here's an example of what you can do, right? And this is essentially the earliest someone can get in. So $50 billion valuation, this is where you can start to do your diligence. So I encourage everyone to look up that S1. So Cal, what about Airbnb? They IPO'd too. Was that a similar launch in terms of that controversy or... What went on there? Airbnb actually, I think, was planning to launch earlier in the year. And then 
the situation with COVID-19 happened, their business got hurt tremendously because of it. People stopped traveling. And I'm not entirely sure, but I think they ended up deciding to postpone the IPO because in terms of valuation would hurt Airbnb at the time. But as we mentioned earlier, that there was such a huge hype with IPOs recently. And for those who don't know, the market is always forward looking. So with a vaccines out, there's a positive general outlook for the future. And Airbnb decided to IPO at a time where there's quite a high demand in the market. There's quite a lot of all these funds flowing. And it seemed that they had a certain valuation. I think it was $40 billion and then $50 billion. By the time of the IPO, it kept going up slightly. They expected the initial IPO stock price would be between 45 and 50 And then a couple of days before the actual IPO went from $55 to $60 a share, which is quite a significant jump as it is. I remember reading around and some people would say, you know, if you'd like to try to snap some shares of the IPO, it might be exciting to get it around 55 or $60. Some would suggest even trying to put a limit price a bit higher than that, closer to $70. And on the idea of the IPO, I was interested to see how it would move. And then I saw in the news, that was maybe an hour or two before the IPO that they were trying to set the, the orders together. So basically, there were some orders that were set at around $144, $145 a share, which indicated around two and a half to almost three times the price of the initial suggested price of the IPO. So it was quite eye-opening. The only IPO that I actually participated in trading was Snapchat. At the time, I knew there was quite a lot of hype around the IPO of Snapchat. That was in 2017, and I think it was around April or May. And I think the suggested IPO price was around $20 to $24. And then at open, I think it was closer to $25. I entered at $27 the day after. And I was thinking, you know, maybe if I hold it for a bit, it might go higher. So it was going up through the first day, second day, and then it absolutely just started dropping. I ended up what they call bag holding and decided to hold, which was a very rookie mistake because I wasn't planning on holding it too long term and ended up holding it until I think I sold around $19 a share. It did fall even below that, quite a lot less, but it was still a bit painful. And it stayed below that for quite some time. I don't know where it sits right now exactly, but that's the same kind of ideas that were flowing in my head when I was watching Airbnb. And the thing with Airbnb is they did announce, I believe that it's actually true, that there was no lockup period for the people who are stakeholders and own shares pre-IPO. So basically, you could own shares of Airbnb before the IPO. And the moment the stock IPOs, you're allowed to sell shares. Usually with most stocks, there would be a lockup period. You can't sell your shares until that lockup period ends. And that's normally decided by the company. So sometimes it's one month, three months, six months. And from what I found was with Airbnb, there was no lockup period. So imagine you are an investor and you're expecting that the company's IPO price would be around $60 a share. And you think, okay, I have certain amounts worth. And the day it IPOs, your investment in the company, which would be usually large at that point, would effectively go up two and a half times. So, of course, most people just, you know what, let me offload some shares. And the start price was around $140, $150 a share. And then it just started dropping. 
reached to around 120. And then within the past two days now, at the time of this recording, it's been about two weeks since the stock IPO'd. It's been going back up again. So there's a lot of buying interest in the company. And again, in the long term, I think it's a very, very powerful idea. I think it can really cut the costs of accommodation and can maybe make traveling a bit more feasible, more accessible, more affordable to a lot of people. And it could be very, very interesting. It started over, what, 12 years ago as a company and look at them now. They're everywhere. Yeah. So it depends on your strategy, I would say. So how would someone take these IPOs and make a decision? If you're a day trader, you want to double your money, get 50% in a day, go ahead. If you want to play long, I'm going to use Snap as an example, as well as Facebook. So Snap had a lot of challenges because Facebook was trying to acquire them. And what Facebook did was make a competing product with Instagram stories. And I think with Facebook stories, which is a meme now because Spotify just launched stories. And I think Google launched stories. It's ridiculous. So everyone's got this copycat product to try and get market share. And that's ultimately the question, which is which business has survivability and is going to be unique enough and resilient enough and will grow and innovate and all those kinds of things. So this is ultimately the question I like to think about, which is long-term who wins. And Snapchat, I didn't follow the valuation, but they're at $50, $60 a share. So even if you held since IPO, you'd probably double your money. And if you get a multiple, that's, I always say maybe 6, 10, 12x or 20, 50, 100, then you're doing very well. But I think long-term, if the fundamentals are there, the short term doesn't matter. I don't think it does. And speaking of Facebook, similar story, IPO'd some huge hedge fund manager dumped a lot of money and then ended up losing a lot because they crashed. But now they're trading at probably something like 510x their IPO as well. So I think it's early to make a guess. But if you're going to start to think what is the market leader, I would read through the Zest ones, read through the company's plan for growth what makes them unique and all of that. So I'm just going to pull up Airbnb's S1 very quickly. So for our listeners, 07 was when they started. Two guys from design school wanted to pay for their apartment. So this is a very unique case in entrepreneurship. I think if you look at where do entrepreneurs start, this is all it takes. So maybe someone says, I'm going to go work at a local store. A friend of a friend can get me a job or I'm going to work at a Home Depot or like a Walmart these guys wanted to start a business. That's the difference. So there's a big conference in town and every hotel was sold out. So they said, why can't we just make our own living space? So they started a site called airbedandbreakfast.com and they wanted to rent airbeds to people attending the conference. And people actually said yes. So this is a study in product market fit. So ask yourselves, which today Airbnb is valued at $100 billion. And what's crazy is that this company started with a website. You can make a website for 20 bucks on Squarespace, on any kind of modern platform. So all you need is one customer to say yes and then figure it out along the way. One turns to two and it grows. So these people decided to treat these people like friends and not like hotel guests, show them the city. One of the big investors of Airbnb was Paul Graham and I follow him on Twitter, cool guy. He runs a tech accelerator that's called Y Combinator, and they're probably the most famous in terms of growing companies. If you've got deep pockets, you can go invest in companies, and it's kind of where some of these companies come to be. And this company actually did go through there, and 
I think with permission, he showed this email his first week. I think he made $800 and then it grew to $1,400 revenue the next week. And what a humble beginning. So a company that's doing 4 million hosts today, you can do the math. They're in 200 countries plus, and they've had 825 million guests over the course of probably 13 years. Let that sink in. That's such a huge platform. So that's kind of how I think about it. How is this company going to grow? Can they grow from 100 million to a trillion or two? So can they 10x? Can they 20x? And what is their path to do that? I think that's how I would start to think about the long term for these two. So Cal, if you had to take a bet, and this is just a fun one, but out of the two, who do you think will come out ahead in five years? DoorDash, Airbnb, and why? My money would be on Airbnb, I would think. Who knows what happens in five years, but I find their idea quite unique. The fact that there's a lot less competition, it's way more international. In Bahrain, I think we have Uber Eats, but we have a company called Talabat, which is the same thing. It's app-based and food delivery service, almost anything, but mostly on foods. So DoorDash doesn't exist here, even though they could be big in the US and possibly North America. I think Airbnb is way more international, 200 countries plus. Anyone with extra space could turn that space into a place to host a guest. So I do like the idea of Airbnb. I've always have, even though I've never actually used it. But as a concept, it's very fascinating. And there'll be a time that I'd like to do a very, very long road trip. And Airbnb would be quite accessible, quite handy at that point. You know, I'm on the road and I just need a place to stop and rest. And I'd love to have something that can have access to quite easily. So I would think Airbnb would be quite useful there. Just a few things like that. I just think as an idea is quite revolutionary in terms of travel and accommodation and things like that. And it's quite lucrative as well for everyone, for Airbnb themselves and for the people hosting it. And people can really actually earn a living out of it. So I do believe the potential is significantly bigger, in my opinion, compared to DoorDash. Not taking anything away from DoorDash. They've clearly done very, very well to this point. I don't know how their financials look like, but that's another topic. But comparing one against the other, I would bet for Airbnb. That's what I put my money on. Yeah, I think DoorDash reported a loss in the last quarter and Airbnb had a huge downturn in April, May. So their businesses in terms of gross booking value dropped I think 78% in April, 41% in May. And then you saw a recovery. But none of these businesses are easy. So I want to put my hat off to these entrepreneurs grinding it out who build these companies in the first place. I'm just in awe and amazement that both these companies did so well. So I commend the entrepreneurs for doing it. I think that's awesome. And no matter what happens with these companies, that's already a huge success, in my opinion. So... My stance, I'm probably more of a food delivery guy. I'd have to compare Uber Eats and Skip a little bit more closely before I decided who would be the leader in that specific space. So to your point, that's some competition for DoorDash, whereas Airbnb, I think there's one called Hip Camp for camping. So it's more of a niche that way to service people who want to rent out their backyards. I've heard of people renting out parking spots. So I'd be curious to see if maybe someone will grow user base in a unique area that way, just like how Amazon grew in books and then pivoted to software and web hosting and became this huge, huge Goliath of a company. 
So I think competition always comes where you're not looking. It's still, I'm undecided. Do I like DoorDash the best out of Skip and Uber Eats? I probably use Skip the most, Uber Eats maybe second, DoorDash. Occasionally, it depends where I am. And I think the biggest criticism I have is that not every platform has all the restaurants. So I think that is kind of what's lacking there. So if anyone's listening from those companies, get some more people on there. I want to see people reviewing dishes too. So my thought behind the restaurant experience is a restaurant's known for one plate famously, but what about the rest? How do I know what's good? How do I know what's not? I think that's lacking in that experience. And with data, I think restaurants or the apps or the marketplaces should be able to tell me, come on, Google, tell me what I'll like at a restaurant. Don't leave it up to the menu description. So I would love to hear from all of you who you think will win. Let us know if you placed a bet. I want to hear long-term. I want to hear what your plan is to hold long-term, who you think will survive and thrive actually and do well. I think it's an exciting time. And back to people who say, I'm missing all the opportunity. Not that these are necessarily the ones you want to take, but IPOs are accessible. They're on the public markets. You can do your homework. You've got a computer, you can look it up. And again, we'll leave some show notes for you and I encourage you all to take a look. There's also some one last thing about notes. I actually had watched you can actually YouTube this, Airbnb and DoorDash. You can look up their original pitch decks, as they're called, when they're essentially like $5 million companies looking to get investments. And you see how early on these companies are, where their head was at, what their business model was, and how far along they've come today. So to me, getting a whole scope of the beginning to the end is a lot more exciting. That will help me decide, are these founders resilient enough Is their plan working? What's their plan for the future? And then I'll make a holistic opinion that way on who will come out ahead. Again, kudos to both of them. That's awesome. And yeah, it was a cool episode. We'll try and cover some more in the future as more companies IPO. I think there's a couple more exciting ones coming up in the financial space. So with that said, let's wrap up today's episode. That was Methodical Millions, episode 40. If you'd like to follow future episodes, you can find us at methodicalmillions.com or info at methodicalmillions.com for episode feedback. Thanks, everyone.